Hey everybody, when you hear that music, and I will say good morning, just to break it up, you know, for five years and eight episodes, I have said, hey, when you hear that music, you know it's time for yet another exciting episode of On the Ladder Side of Baseball, and man, oh man, five years, and uh, and uh, this will be our ninth podcast episode of 2023, and I got to tell you what, they get better every day, more exciting, more information, and uh, certainly I hope that uh, everybody is entertained. I appreciate the feedback I get from some of the folks out there that know how to contact me. I try to stay on the down low, and uh, that way, uh, you know, it's entertaining to me. Uh, our guest this morning, uh, assuming that we can hook this up from Cincinnati, where the Tampa Bay Rays are on the road, and uh, their Hall of Fame broadcaster, Dwayne Stats, will be hopefully calling in. Uh, we've never done a connection on the road with Dwayne, and uh, hopefully that'll work out. And uh, if it does, then we'll have Dwayne. If it doesn't, then uh, I'll go to, um, you know, another effort at, uh, at forgetting Dwayne. But, you know, my producer's in Honolulu. I'm not, although I wish I was. And uh, after our last episode with Mike Diaz, uh, we ought to do a broadcast from Honolulu, maybe in the wintertime. You never know. What a great time to go to Honolulu or Maui. I guess he's in Maui. My producer's in Honolulu. Um, Air Hawaii goes everywhere. And so, you know, that'd be kind of fun. Anyway, that is, uh, that's where we're at. Baseball's underway. This is the third week of baseball. The Cubs are, you know what? I don't think anybody out there should give me a lick of credibility. Uh, people say, hey, you know, you do this podcast, and so let me ask you this about baseball. I said, uh, number one, when Craig Kashan and I picked our winners, I picked the Cubs to win the Central Division, and I went through a few reasons, but mostly it was just a, a hometown desire of mine to see the Cubbies, uh, you know, go through the playoffs again. That'd be kind of fun. A week later, I mean a week later, seven to ten days later, I was calling the 2023 edition of the Chicago Cubs the worst roster ever assembled on the north side of Chicago. <laughs> Since I said that, the Cubs have probably gone eight and three, and uh, they're off to not a bad start. They took two out of three from the Dodgers on the West Coast. They haven't beaten a Dave Roberts team in a series in like ten years. And uh, after that, the question was, can they beat a bad team? Because everybody thinks the Dodgers are pretty good, and everybody thought the Brewers were pretty good, and everybody thinks and knows now Cincinnati Reds could be a really big force. And uh, the Texas Rangers are picked to be pretty good in the uh, Western Division of the American League. And so the Cubs started off with some pretty good teams, and now they're in Oakland. And the and the question was, can they can they beat a uh, a bad team and last night you know even they load the bases with nobody out and they couldn't score but they did go on to win 10 to 1 so i mean i even i can't complain about that bellinger who i was happy to get along with hosmer and uh, henry mancini and that's actually trey mancini i was actually you know kind of worried about belly there for a while and i'll call him belly we're good friends and uh, not really. He went five for five last night. Osmer's having a good start. Mancini's struggling a little bit. Madrigal gets in a little action. And all in all, you know, 
Suzuki is back from his oblique strain. Kyle Hendricks is looking good in the uh, rehab. And so the Cubs are looking like they're going to have Stroman and Smiley and Steele and Wisniewski and, and Kyle Hendricks and Talon, Tate Lowell. That's six pretty good pitchers. And uh, check me in two weeks. I'll be called the uh, biggest sore arm losers in the world. They got no bullpen. And I guess it's not cool to have a, a, a they, they do have a good bullpen. It's not cool any longer to have a, a closer. Um, they call it the pocket, not the pocket rocket. We talked about uh, Rocket Richard and his brother Henri, the pocket rocket for you hockey fans, of which there are two listeners that are hockey fans. And the one of those two listeners might have gotten bored and stopped listening. I don't know. But at any rate, uh, they call it a pocket. And and so uh, now the theory and the philosophy is, we'll go close, be the closer in the seventh inning. You go close the eighth inning. You go close the ninth inning. And um, I guess it doesn't matter. You get three outs in the ninth inning and you're ahead. Game over. Uh, as Hawk Carrollson. Hawk caught a little grief. That's pretty funny. Now, you know, he was on a podcast, not my podcast. And uh, uh, he said that uh, Jerry Reinsdorf ought to just get rid of the team because they suck. And it's more of a headache than it would be otherwise. Well, Jerry specializes in headaches on his um, franchises that he owns. And, uh, you know, we should all have a headache that uh, goes for 4 or $5 billion. Sell the team. Are you kidding me? Just keep going to the game, smoking your cigars, and being the dude, you know? I would do that if uh, I owned the Chicago White Sox, which I don't, or the Chicago Bulls, which I don't. I don't own anything. I own a bunch of baseball cards, bats and balls autographed by people, none of which have been autographed by Jerry Reinsdorf. So when my next lunch with Jerry, notice how I worked that into the uh, I'm cool, I have lunch with the chairman, and uh, I'm going to get a ball autographed by him. You know, I think he'll do it, maybe. Sign it to my good friend, Jamie, the chairman. That's all he needs to do. Doesn't even need to sign it, Jerry Reinsdorf. And I'd be happy. I would be happy indeed. So we've got the Rays off to a hot start, although they lost two out of three up in Toronto. They have a tough time at Great American Ballpark, one of the ballparks I want to go to. I get on the road like I've talked about before. Going out to Wrigley Saturday and Sunday to see the Dodgers. Hopefully Kershaw's pitching tonight. So that's Tuesday. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Sunday would be his fifth day. Uh, I think Kershaw will pitch Sunday when uh, I'm out there at Wrigley. Taking one of my grandsons out there. It should be a good time. Hot dogs, popcorn, peanuts, Cracker Jacks. I don't think they sell Cracker Jacks anymore. But uh, be that as it may, uh, that'll be fun. And on Saturday, I'm going to kind of scout around uh, Wrigley. In fact, what I ought to do is buy two tickets, one for a good seat and one for the bleachers. And um, I don't know how I do that. So I want to go out to the bleachers because they've got Hot Dogs, which is one of the premier hot dogs in town before he shut his restaurant down, and then Small Cheval, which specializes in uh, hamburgers, cheeseburgers, adult milkshakes, and uh, really good french fries. So if you're at Wrigley and you're in the bleachers, you're in good shape. If you're at Wrigley and you're not in the bleachers, you're in deep doo-doo for food. You know, I don't get it. 
But anyway, there are a lot of things I don't get. Um, the baseball's off and running, and the new rules are working to everybody's advantage. The, the games are quick and um, fun. And, you know, the uh, uh, Tribune editorial guy Sullivan's just coming around to the same stuff I've been saying for months, and that is there's going to be more breaks uh longer breaks than the inning takes itself so you got less time to get to the bathroom less time to get your hot dog especially when the lines are three innings long and um so the rumor is they're gonna extend the beer sales past the seventh inning which they do anyway here's the trick the beer salesman who has a hard time at regularly figuring out how to use his little deal to charge you because it's no longer cash. Um, in the seventh inning, they go get a fresh case and they can work until they sell that case. Okay. So that's the, that's the trick there. Uh, not what I would call much of a trick, but Hey, be that as it may, uh, that's the scoop. So, um, we've got that going on. We've got the uh, influence of the World Baseball Classic and how that's playing out with the players. We've got teams that are hot, teams that are not. Uh, the Cardinals are not hot, which is great. Here's a good question. Would you rather see uh, your team that you root for win or the team that you root against lose? So for me, just fill in the blanks. I would rather see the Cardinals lose, then the Kansas City Royals win. And let me tell you what, the Royals, speaking of that, are just doomed, you know. They've got, I don't know what they've got. they got a problem. They have a major problem. They've got, they've got Salvi, and that's it, and Bobby Witt, Bobby Witt Jr. Then after that, I, I couldn't tell you. They've gotten rid of everybody that was any good. And they were pretty mediocre when they started getting rid of everybody. But hey, good news in Kansas City, because uh, in 10 days, the NFL draft begins in downtown Kansas City at the the, uh, Liberty Memorial area, which is also the um, train station. And so that's going to be pretty cool because they're going to get a little more. It's the train station. Uh, is is on TV all the time because when the uh, national broadcast of the Kansas City Chiefs games are in uh, Kansas City, they always go down and show the um, train station, which has a fancier name. I just call it the train station because it was the train station. Now it's all sorts of different things, and uh, there's good stuff to do all around there. I know everybody's looking for good steak and barbecue, and I could come up with a list of steak places and uh, barbecue places. Um, and in the on the plaza, you've got pretty close to Plaza Q39 for all you people that are going to listen to this and then want to go out to Kansas City for the draft. Q39, um, and then you've got uh, oh the other good barbecue place on the plaza, which. Um, I'll think about it in a little while. Jack Stack. See? Boom. Got it. You want to go out to the old Major League Baseball uh, cemetery where the municipal stadium used to be. You go to Arthur Bryant's and Gates. And if you want to go to Oklahoma Joe's original barbecue place, that's um, in Midtown in a gas station. 
So there you have it. And uh, what I think I'll do now is take a quick break, have Tyler play a little music. And uh, when we come back, we'll either have Dwayne or we'll have a problem. And uh, either way, we'll continue and have fun on the lighter side of baseball and Spotify, uh, Apple, iTunes, and uh, SoundCloud, the originating uh, format for the lighter side of baseball. So stick with us. And um, how's your team doing, by the way? You know, uh, on the West Coast, the Angels are playing okay. Uh, they had a little problem in Boston, lost three out of four, but they did win Patriots Day. And uh, uh, the Dodgers are struggling. Uh, the Padres are just really struggling. Uh, the Mariners, boy, the Mariners have some talent. And um, anyway, we'll be back. We'll take a break. And when we do, like I said, hopefully we'll have, in my opinion, the best voice in baseball, Dwayne Stats. Hey, everybody, we're back on the lighter side of baseball. And as promised, the best voice in baseball, excluding this podcast host, Dwayne Stats, the voice of the Tampa Bay Rays, the first place Tampa Bay Rays, the team that came one game away from a major league record for the hottest start in the history of the game. Pretty good. How are you doing, buddy? We're doing very well. Thank you. We're in Cincinnati. and uh, So how bad could it be if you're in Cincinnati and, um, you know, the uh, – the baseball tradition, you know, professionally, it all started here, they say. So, you know, other than being uh, where we really want to be, why not be in Cincinnati? Yeah, you know, that's one ballpark I want to go to. I'm trying to figure out how to do a swing and not drive through half of America between Cincinnati, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and, um, oh, what am I missing in that little area? I don't know, maybe zip over to the, I haven't been to the Mets new ballpark, but you know, probably won't happen. So just things that are fantasizing, but the, uh, the ballpark looked pretty empty last night, man. It was, and, um, you know, it was cold. So I think that had something to do with it, but you know, the Reds have had a difficult run over the past uh, few years with the exception of maybe one season, they slipped in there. And uh, so I, I think that, that has something to do with it. And, uh, you know, they seem to be battling what some of the smaller market teams traditionally have battled. And, and, you know, that's, if you look at baseball history, I mean, that's gone on from the very beginning of the game, not only, you know, in the free agency eras that we're, we've gone through and we're now in, but even with the reserve clause, you know, there were teams that uh, struggled to stay afloat and to, uh, to draw. So, I, I guess it's part of the process. Well, you know, when a team drew a million people, that was a big deal. I remember the White Sox rarely got over a million people in the 50s, and uh, they were one team that beat the Yankees, and the other was the 54 Indians, and they were both managed by none other than the same guy, Senor Al Lopez. And, uh, yeah. you know, that was my team, and, and now a lot of those guys, if not all those guys, are dropping away like the like the old Buffalo man. I mean, and even the later guys like the Pete Wards of the world. And uh, I, I don't want to go through a bunch of names. <laughs> yeah, misspeak. But Gary Peters was a 
well, I really a good guy, and and he just recently uh, passed away. So I've been told, and uh, you know, I I'm not positive Roland Heeman might have uh, passed away. I haven't confirmed that with Mr. Ransdorf, but yeah, man, I I don't I I'm not sure about that either. And I, Roland, I always enjoyed being in his company. Yeah, yeah, and the um, the, you know, the, as we've discussed, one of the reasons I did the podcast was after our good buddy and your former partner on WGN radio in 1988 and 89, David Earl Nelson passed yep. away. You know, I didn't have anybody to really argue with over baseball and, <laughs> and I would do that you know, every day continuously. And uh, hard to believe this is the fifth, uh, I guess, anniversary. I don't know what you call it when you celebrate somebody's passing. But uh, it's hard to believe it's been five years, at least from my standpoint. Yeah, no, no question about that. Uh, you know, because he's well, because he's with us all the time. He is. And, uh, so it doesn't seem uh, five years. Oh, my goodness. But yeah. there's, there's well, a part of them that pops up almost every day in, in, uh, in our presence. Good, good. I, I, I know that you uh, feel that way and have the same, same deep connection that I do to, to Dave. And, and I have, I'm looking at the Emmy that he won. I mean, I have most of his memorabilia. I don't know, <laughs> you know, what, and my kids, uh, they could care less about anything that has to do with me. But if there's <laughs> one item, uh, that they don't have a Dave Nelson, man, they snatch it up and, and, uh, my grandkids rather, they think. Yeah. Pretty cool. They loved old Dave. And uh, I saw something from uh, the board at uh, Open Arms. Uh, as you know, one of the, the uh, big things that Dave was very involved in, and, they, and somebody made a reference to the, you know, the best, the, the starting second baseman and the team in heaven. And uh, I don't know if he could beat out Jackie, but, you know, he's right there. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's pretty tough competition, but uh... – you know, he could get in there and, uh, and steal a few bases, too. So uh, no problem there. Absolutely. That's uh, the only stealing they allow in heaven, by the way. <laughs> and and the, uh, I guess the thieves are somewhere else if you go that far. <laughs> but uh, you, uh, you can legitimately do that in baseball. So the, uh, the Rays start hot and, um, you know, go to Toronto and have a, a, a bit of a pick up and now they're in their jinx ballpark with great American and uh, still got to be fun. I listened to a couple of your broadcasts and, and uh, like always you're right spot on sharp, but you seem a little extra excited in your voice so far on the first uh, uh, few games that, that I've listened to. Well, I, I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe going undefeated for 13 games has something to do with that. I'll tell you something though about this team. Um, Essentially, you know, they've been through the years since they've been successful involved in run prevention, trying to figure out ways to do that. They've always figured out how to have a good pitching staff and how to match up certain guys out of the bullpen in situations. And they've always pretty much always caught the ball and had some athleticism. I love the offensive lineup of this team, though, and it because it's more varied in my mind. Uh, they can beat you in more ways offensively. Now, you you know, you couldn't approve that last night or maybe uh, in a couple of those games to start this road trip. But it reminds me of, you know, how there used to be such a stark difference between the American League and the National League. 
Sure. And I always thought years ago, and, and you mentioned Jackie Robinson. I don't know if he was the beginning of that or not, but the aggressive base running and all of that, and the Dodgers seemed to play that way. But the American League for a long time seemed to be, you know, the home run league and kind of a plotting league on the bases. And the, uh, and the National League uh, was way more uh, involved in different parts of putting an offense together and multiple threats and things like that, running and as well as <clears throat> line drives and, and, you know, an occasional home run. Well, this lineup is sort of, in my mind, like that. Uh, they, have, um, they have different ways to produce runs up and down the lineup. I think, uh, you know, youth and, and a mixture of people who've been around a little while and then the youth have something to do with that. But I think, uh, uh, I, I think it's a fun and interesting club to watch top to bottom with their lineup and they're going to use, they'll have 13 position players and they're going to use every one of them some way or the other. So to me, it's, it's one of the more interesting teams they've started a season with. And, and I think that's going to pay dividends. The, uh, the one thing that, well, they're exciting. I mean, and, and we've talked about the guy with maybe the best name in baseball, Randy or Rosarina. Uh, <laughs> and, and I think, the 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 team is just kind of uh, indicative of how I see the sport this year, and that is to me anyway. And this could be a one month deal, could be a figment of my imagination. The games are exciting. I mean, the and it's even. I'm sure you've had the privilege of broadcasting for years and years and years, and and there's some end of the years that just aren't exciting. And you go out there and you go, okay, how do we? How do we get to the last week when we're 14 games out of first place? But that's that's a whole nother deal. The, to me, uh, even when teams have succeeded, and I'll use you, Darvish, as an example, you would go out and watch Darvish, who's a, a really accomplished pitcher in both Japan and the U.S., and he throws a pitch every four minutes. And it was like... Yeah. Holy crap. And it started, I think, the Brewers kind of took that approach with the Cubs. We'll just wait them out, and, and we'll stand on the mound with the ball. That's all gone. And, and I think it has led to a lot of people going, wow, this looks kind of fun. Yeah. So I, it's cool. I think it's, I think it's a great idea what they've done to speed up the game. There's no question about that. I, I You know, I so I – with the new rules, and I, somebody seems to be giving Theo credit. I don't care who thought it up. I mean, I'm not big on the robo-ump, but um, I do think that the rules are great, and I hope that they adopt them for the playoffs, and I, I think they will. Of all the of the, the main rules, the clock, the shift, and the, uh, the throws to first slash stolen bases, what – how would you rank them as things that you think have affected the game most positively? Well, I, I think the clock, I, you know, they used to say that, uh, you know, baseball is the only major game without a clock and uh, that's great. And I, I, I agree with that, but uh, I think, uh, I think the clock is great. Uh, when I, and, and the, and the idea of the bases being bigger and, you know, from home to first, three inches closer, and then between 
first and second, second and third, four and a half inches closer. Um, I, I like it because it promotes the running game. Now, if it gets out of hand, you know, maybe they'll have to make some kind of an adjustment. But I, I think what they've all done is speed the tempo and uh, encouraged an offense to be multidimensional instead of, you know, baseball there for too long got into it's a home run or it's a strikeout and we're going to take all day to do it. And, and I think uh, the idea that they had to make some changes was right on the money. I remember, I mean, they've shaved off 30 minutes of a game right Right. now, roughly speaking. And I I think that's great. The first game I ever did, was at Wrigley Field with the Astros and the Cubs in 1976. It was an audition situation. And I went in there. It was rushing. How did it work work out, Dwayne? Well, somehow, (laughs) despite the day, it worked out okay, I guess. But um, (laughs) Rick Russell and J.R. Richard. And I think J.R. Richard had a home run in that game. But it lasted like two hours and 18 minutes. Yeah. Which – you know, was was also probably in my favor because I had less airtime to mess it up. But it was great. And so we're kind of we're back now to that era. And the game was like that for so long. In fact, I remember um, I, I think it was when I was working with the Cubs and I ran across an old article from the 50s. And the theme of this newspaper article was Games these days, this is in the 50s, are most games are over two hours. Some of them are lasting two hours and 20 minutes. Something has to be done to speed up the game. Yeah. And that was an article in the 50s. So I, what did they play it? 48 minutes before? Yeah. I mean, they're, exactly. they're complaining because they're playing over two-hour games. Yeah. But, you know, that different era. Players left their gloves in the field. Let's go in and out, you know. Uh, no multiple TV commercials in between. Everything's radio and we'll slip something in. That kind of thing. But I, it's a better game that way. There's no question. And for me growing up, I was a National League fan. I grew up in St. Louis, followed Houston and the Cubs. But I was a National League fan, even though the American League had Mickey Mantle and, you know, all of Roger Maris hitting 61 home runs and all of that. But I just thought that the National League was more multidimensional. And as a kid, I didn't sit there and go, well, it's more multidimensional and I really like this. It was just more fun. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Just more fun as a kid to grow up and follow that. So I certainly appreciated the American League, but I had uh, that emotional uh, feed that I got from uh, from the National League. Well, you know, I grew up the other way, and it was a question of I don't think Bob Elson could have stayed awake two hours. I mean, that was a problem on the radio. That guy, <laughs> it sounded like he slept through half the game reading the Wall Street Journal. Anyway, that was the uh, that was the take on the commander, uh, as you know, yep. his nickname mm-hmm. was. I I'd always go back and look at the '59 uh, box scores of the World Series just because I went sure. to six. It didn't turn mm-hmm. out so good for the White Sox, good for the Dodgers, and those games were like an hour and 52 minutes, two hours and one minute. It was like Mark Burley was pitching every game. And yeah. granted, they didn't have a lot of TV commercials. And the and it was sort of the 
the game kind of dictated the flow of the commercials. Now it seems in the playoffs that the commercials sort of dictate the flow of the of the games, and they're trying to accommodate with the play through the game with a little commercial over here, like in golf, and like basically yeah. tried to do, but. <laughs> Um, you know, especially for you who you know, you're home 30 minutes earlier and uh, you don't have to put up with a ball and play every four minutes. I think the the pitch clock has made it amusingly interesting to to watch how these pitchers get the ball and throw it like like early Wynn used to do and Bob Gibson used to do and mm-hmm. J.R. Rich used to do and, and, you know, the Nolan Ryans of the world back then. And part of the strategy wasn't wait. Let's let Mike Cargrove squeeze his bat fifty-five times. More <laughs> tired than me holding the ball. Yeah, I think that's been great. What I really, really, really love is the uh, no shift. The, you know, there's no. Yeah. More, I mean, when a guy hits the ball hard now, it's either a shoestring catch of an outfielder running in, or it's it's a ball that drops in front of the, of the outfielder because there are only three guys out there and that's the way double day planned it that's great yeah. yeah remember how many times a guy would hit the ball hard up the middle and that'd be a guy right behind second base there to make the play well we we had a couple of those in the game last night we said you know a year ago there's a guy positioned there and that's it out but it's a base hit and if you hit the ball that hard it seems to me it should be a base hit Right, And it's interesting because the Rays, of all of the changes, uh, the Rays were most concerned about that because they really, from the beginning, had made the most of the shift. And now what it forces them to do is is to be more athletic. I, I think when you get down to the 12th or 13th guy as a position player who's going to make the team, they're going to consider how athletic that guy is and how many positions he can play. And I think that's, I think that's good for the game. I'd rather have an athletic guy as number 13 than uh, a guy who doesn't move as well. Yeah, no, I, you know, and even with both leagues not having the DH and typically the DH would be a, you know, a bulky guy who could hit a home run, the rowdy Telezes of the world. I think you're right. The, uh, the, the 13th man, the 13th position guy, even the catchers seem a little more mobile. I know Gomes stole a couple bases. So mm-hmm. maybe that's because of the bigger base. I, I don't know. Whatever whatever it took to speed the game along for the fan, I think um, uh, the only ones that probably don't like it are the beer vendors who don't get the uh, you know the same amount of time. Although I got to tell you, I remember talking to you and you told me two or three, four years ago, maybe even before COVID, I think it was, where you said Tampa's going to an all credit card, no cash system. And Tampa Bay was, from my memory, was the first team to do that. And I'm going like, how's that going to work? Are you going to hand a credit yeah. card down the row? Well, now every major league baseball team does it. The beer vendors at Wrigley, I don't know if it's the internet's bad at Wrigley, they, <laughs> These guys, half of them can't figure out how to sell a beer. I bet beer <laughs> sales are down millions of dollars across baseball because of that. But, yeah, they have to be. But uh, see, I think that's a, another opportunity. For an example, I, I, I think giving the consumer choices and entertainment is good. And if if you were going to force them to sit through a three-and-a-half-hour game 
with a lot of stepping out, and, you know, all of the things of, of no action. But I think it's a great opportunity for baseball to have to have something in the ballpark post-game. Have the ballpark open, more places to go within the ballpark. Now, you know, fans have done that like at Wrigleyville all the time with all of the bars and all the restaurants there on the north side. So they'd vacate Wrigley and scatter out through the neighborhoods. I, I think baseball now, if most of the games are going to be two hours and 20 minutes or whatever they're going to be, why not? And one of the worst experiences of any entertainment venue is to have the, the performance in everybody, whether it's an arena or a ballpark, 18,000 or 40,000, vacate, and you're going to sit in traffic. Well, why not have entertainment venues inside the ballpark where if people want to leave and get home or get about their lives okay? But you might have some people who would love to be at the ballpark a little longer. So the game's two hours and 20 minutes. Stay at the ballpark for an extra hour. Right. That, that's a revenue-generating possibility that I haven't heard anybody talk about. But I think that's perfect. So traffic is not as bad. You get to hang around the ballpark a little longer and make the make the varied spots uh, inviting to do that. So I think that's there's a there's an economic opportunity there. Um, you know, not that not that I'm a, a genius economic executive, but I just think it's something that would help in a number of ways, you know, help, help the egress from the ballpark and uh, maybe generate some of that money that, uh, that you're, you're going to lose because people are there only two hours and 20 minutes instead of three hours and 20 minutes. No, I, you know, I think the, the entertainment um, portion of a major league baseball game uh, has sort of expanded depending on, which venue you're in, Wrigley? If you went back uh, to Wrigley, and I'm not sure that uh, Tampa Bay, I'm not sure the Rays play in Wrigley this year, or just Comiskey or the Cell. I can't. I'm, yeah, uh, I, I think I think we go to Wrigley this year, and the only <laughs> the, the only downside to that is how you know they 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 refurbished the ballpark, looks beautiful and all that, but I must say that the whole that the that the uh, visiting TV booth is not nearly as luxurious as it should be. So there, there you go. There, is there an elevator that gets you up there now? I think. Well, there it, there, there's an elevator that gets you part of the way up there, but you know, then you know, as years go by, it's uh, a little more challenging. There are ramps instead of stairs. <laughs> I know that. I can remember uh, Harry waving to everybody, but you're yeah, you're exposed. The uh, it's it's funny, um, and I've looked at the schedule a little bit because I'm trying to figure out when I can buy you dinner. And it looks like the best I can do is before a game buy you lunch or breakfast. But we'll work on that. We'll work on that soon. I think. Yeah, it, well, I'm never going to pass that up. You know, <laughs> it's well, I owe you. It's like Memorial Day. I know you're at one place, and then uh, at any rate, I think you go to Chicago next week or in two weeks. But. Um, the uh, the Brewers have like a, I don't know if it's TGI Fridays that stays open after the game that fans mm -hmm. over in the left field area, um, but by and large most of the ushers, although they've gotten nicer at Wrigley, but I'm sure you've heard stories. They kind of 
uh, would shoo you out. Like, <laughs> and if you were waiting around for a player or waiting around for you or Dave or whatever, and you try to tell them that and they go, well, you're going to have to go outside and wait. Well, you can't sit in here anymore because they're going to do whatever. So yeah. I think the, the, the owners ought to pick up. I know the, the Cubs have picked up your philosophy on, um, more entertainment and they've built a, a humongous gambling facility uh, where the Billy Williams uh, and Ron Santo statues used to be. They now have a two-story um, draft King facility that I think opens in a couple weeks. And uh, I'm not sure they advertise marijuana, but gambling and marijuana, I think the only vice <laughs> that is you know, well publicized as prostitution. So I, I'm not sure when they'll they'll have uh, have that, but they're doing pretty good on. They've got a marijuana place right across from Wrigley, a gambling place at Wrigley, and uh, I don't know about Betty's brothel, but I mean Ricketts is you know, <laughs> it's expanding. Yeah, well, uh, they got to speak. Know, my, my my parents, uh, the one thing they did, well, they did a lot of stuff for all of us, but. You know, they, they said, when you get into those areas, you should just say no comment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> good, good point. What the, <laughs> what influence, I'm curious to get your read, on the on the current uh, season did the World Baseball Classic have for, as far as your perspective? Uh, I actually kind of liked it. I think it'd be interesting. I think all the guys who were involved in it, really enjoyed it um i don't know i think i'm uh not unlike a lot of people you you, you put a plan in motion every year and uh, spring training comes and you have spring training you go through all of that um you know it's a, i can see where it's a little bit of a challenge for teams for spring training um you know right away you have some uh uh some competition that uh, there's a lot of emotion um, invested in that, which means that, you know, do you have, do you have pitchers who are, are throwing pitches a little harder than they should early? Mm-hmm. Same thing with hitters. That, that, that would be my concern. I think uh, if, if the players feel that it's okay for them and, and the clubs feel that, you know, the, the potential for injury or, overextending oneself physically before you're ready. That would be my only concerns. Otherwise, I, I thought it was pretty good for baseball. Um, yeah. I mean, the first, when they did the first one in 2017, before the pandemic hit, I guess, you know, I, nobody knew much about it. It wasn't that publicized. I wasn't sure how involved MLB was. It was, I guess it was Selig's idea or he takes credit for it. Um, and I, it seemed to be okay, but it was like, oh man, you know, what's it going to do to spring training? Now, um, it's a it's a different brand of baseball. It, to me, again, this is my just totally off the top of my head. I feel like the the uh, foreign, meaning the Latin American and the Japanese influence, has taken over some of the showmanship. And the fan action where, you know, you go to Yankees, well, let's say you go to uh, America Park and it's pretty quiet. You know, Wrigley's got a little buzz. You could read a library book if you wanted to at Royal Stadium. But 
in all those games, man, the fans are involved and different different cultures are doing different things. And the players, uh, like I'll just pick on Randy Rosarena, you know, and his 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 signature fold his arms. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me that they've a lot of those guys, including the Rosarena, brought that into the current MLB arena and they're getting away with it and seem to be having fun. And now the other teams, the Brewers, they put a cheese head on there. Somebody else has another gimmick. I mean, it's it would drive early wind, Bob Gibson, and everybody else that <laughs> we have baseball cards in the 50s and 60s, you know, crazy. They'd be dead. I mean, a Rosarina wouldn't be alive. He'd get a ball in his head every time he showed up <laughs> with his arms crossed. But it's a different day, and I think it's cool. Yeah, Bob Gibson would have led the league and hit batsmen as opposed to strikeouts. Yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot of a lot of hitters would have worn that. But you know, like, like they say, and the, and the longer we're around and look back and from where we began and all that, that um, you know, things change and uh, and the nature of the game is is changing that way a little bit. Uh, a Rosarena, uh, obviously, he's been very productive for the Rays, but he's also been fun to watch. And fans fans react to that. They just do, and and they they love that interaction. Now, you know, if you had twenty six guys and all of them did that, it might be you know they, they'd have to do something to shorten the games. But uh, if you had a handful of guys and and the fans react to that, because at the end of the day, when when people come to the ballpark or when they tune in and watch or listen, you want them to enjoy the product, and if and if you can do that. Uh, and we've seen that happen now. I think fans like that. So hooray yeah. for Randy Rosarena. I agree. And and a lot of other guys. And I think also, um, you know, again, speaking solely as a fan, MLB Network has done a pretty good job on getting some of these guys to come on the air. And the more the fans see the personalities of these guys, like Tim Anderson, for example, with the White Sox, I, I wouldn't have known what he even looked like other than you know he was a thin shortstop for the for the uh, White Sox and he went on MLB Network in the offseason and and uh, spoke about I don't know whatever it was that he spoke about and all of a sudden the guy's a funny guy and a good guy and mm-hmm. somebody, <clears throat> you place a you place some uh, a little bit of knowledge with the guy that comes up and I think that's the one advantage baseball has over maybe football where they wear a helmet all the time I think the fans, and you've seen it from the minor leagues up, the the more you get to know the guys, and in the minor leagues they might have lived with the guys, uh, the better the fan's going to be, the better the experience is going to be. And all the way from listening and loving the broadcasters, I mean, I'm sure that uh, you've experienced that for decades, that people feel like they know you really well because they listen to you every night. Yeah, you're in their homes every night. <clears throat> Excuse me. Or they don't. We are. We're in their homes. We're in their homes every night, and there, there is. I think in everything we do in life, maybe outside of accounting, but there has to be this human element. You know, we're not just putting words and figures in certain columns and calling it a day. There has to be a human connection. In whatever we do, and I, I, I really think most 
most professions, avocations, vocations across the board, uh, there is a significant element to the people who have any measure of success uh, of the human element. And I, I and boy, I think that's important. And as society goes on, you know, people are concerned about what does technology do? Does it make it, are we, are we less interactive with people? Do we lose that human connection? What we're doing now, people would have thought, well, really, you're, you're going to sit in front of a screen and we're going to do a show back and forth, have a conversation. But you know what? I mean, we live miles and miles and miles apart, but every once in a while we get to see each other and have a conversation like this, which I think is positive in terms of uh, human interaction and, and, if you will, I don't want to get carried away, but the advancement of civilization, because we have a ton of things that are just trying to crush civilization and, and common interaction. So if we can use it like this, perfect. And I, th- I think if we can, if we can do that with a game of baseball. I think, I think it only serves a positive end toward the game. Well, yeah. And if you, if you, uh, if you take that philosophy and, and articulate it as brilliantly as you just did, uh, I know that everybody that listens to my podcast loves it. If I have somebody other than me talking on the thing, and uh, especially you and and other guests that I have that that are uh, fun to listen to, and and so who in the world? I tell people I do a pot. Oh my god, how do you do that? Well, I'm not sure how I do it. I my, <laughs> my guy told me how to turn my computer on and how to you know make sure that I can send it to Hawaii where he is, and he puts it on Spotify or whatever, and so I can go back and listen to 160 episodes of Uretsky talking about whatever the hell it is and much more interesting when I get to talk to friends that uh, we visit with and talk about a lot of things not just baseball but mainly it comes back to the great sport that 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 uh, you know I'm as a fan have you know loved all my life and we've talked about our families and how we got into it and how we you know couldn't hit a curveball or blah, 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 blah. And wrote, a <laughs> yeah. letter, wrote a letter to your cold 45s and got, got a response and stuff like that. And uh, it's, it's just fun. And then we all of a sudden get back a little bit to, uh, to, you know, baseball. And I wanted to ask you what the makeup of the, uh, I'm way more familiar with the batting order of the Rays than I am with the, with their pitching staff. But do you guys have a closer? I mean, is there a guy that pitches most ninth innings? Well, um, you know, I, I guess I guess they do in a way. Although, you know, we're we're going to see uh, a ton of guys close. Um, the guy we got from the Cubs, Jason Adam, you know, um, he here here at the age, you know, he, I think he's now thirty one, and and success is you know, finally come his way. Um, Fairbanks, Pete Fairbanks, uh, I guess if you had to say there's one guy who is the closer, it would be Fairbanks. And um, he has two saves this year. I think the team has three. And and if you get right down to it, he's the guy you would uh, want to orchestrate because – you know, he throws 97 and I mean, nobody, 
and nobody has touched this guy. And it's it's another one of those stories of the Rays. They acquire, sign, make a deal. Uh, guys have come over and they've had some success, but not sustained. And and Fairbanks, uh, I think the the longer the season goes on, more and more people are going to realize how legitimate this guy is too. Tall and lanky, and here it is. And um, so I, I would say Fairbanks is the guy. Adams, kind of a setup, but he has and and can close. And then you know the rest of the bullpen is kind of a mix and match. But if you had to get down to it, it would be Fairbanks and then Adam. Yeah, <clears throat> it seems to be out of vogue to have a, a you know to have your. Um, Araldus Chapman anymore. I'm sure that if you got a guy like that, you're going to use Hater is another example. Yeah. The, 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 and, and now the vernacular seems to be talking about pockets, which, you know, to me, that only was in my pants and in a pool, to, on a pool table. <laughs> now all of a sudden, you know, this pocket and that pocket. And, and all we want you to do is close, but close the eighth inning, not the ninth inning. And, I think again the Rays formatted the shift. I think the Rays have come up with the uh, opener and the all those things where the, you know now everybody does what the Rays have done, and it's not like you've had one general manager or or president of baseball operations. You guys have had a few. You've had you know Joe Madden of the world, and now you've got you know another great manager. Your system's incredible. You've got a, I know you love the trap, but. You know, here you've won, you've won twelve games or thirteen games in a row, and you draw twenty thousand people to the ballpark. That, yeah, that as a fan irritates me. Now you can't. I don't expect you to comment, so I'm not going to ask you. But you know, I'd blow up the trap, and I'd get people <laughs> somehow. And and I know you've said it's a great ballpark inside, and and I want to go there. Um, but it seems to me that. And I looked at the payroll this year. You guys are like third from the bottom. I don't yeah. know how, how you do it. Well, um, there, I, there's, there's a lot to un, there's a lot to unwind in what you're saying there. Um, here's the deal with, with I love the, you, Dwayne. Uh, you are so analytical. Go for it, buddy. Oh no, no, no. But here, here's the trap. Um, aesthetically speaking, you know, it's not one of the greatest venues of all time. Uh, in and of itself, for what it is, uh, I, I think it's not it's not that bad. The worst thing about the trop, and and people will start to kind of pile on and say, well, you know, it's not very inviting and this and that. But it's a it's a comfortable venue. Uh, I, I you know I don't mind uh, the fact that it's essentially indoors. I, I think um, my preference would be to have a roof that opened and closed. I, I think that's the deal. I think I would have, um, and, and they, they have attempted to do this and they've done given what the venue is uh, to have multiple places for fans to go. There's some restriction there. So I guess I wouldn't, I would not start out and saying, well, I'm going to build a trough and it's going to be this great ballpark because that would be a little misleading. But it's not as terrible as people like to pile on and say, I guess. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm trying um, to pile on. But, but the other thing. Cool looking from the outside. 
the big, well, here's the thing. The biggest problem with the Trump, and I, I don't want to get into a lot of trouble with this, but because I, I love Pinellas County and I love St. Petersburg, uh, the location is the biggest problem. There's no, uh, there, there's, there's no question about that. And think about this. Pinellas County and we're St. Petersburg, it, it's essentially a thin peninsula. You are surrounded by the Gulf on one side and then the bay on the other side. And below, you have this long bridge that connects you with Sarasota and all of that. Right. So where are you going to draw from? There aren't many sea creatures walking up to buy tickets. And so from the north, you have you have a limited access channel to the north of Pinellas County. And again, I love Pinellas, live there. It's it's the best place. You know, I don't want to tell many people this because I'll have more people come there. But it's the it's the best place to be. Now you go to Hillsboro, you go to Tampa, you build a ballpark in Tampa, somewhere around where you have the Bucks, where the Yankee Spring Training Facility, somewhere in there. And, and here's why. You have access from the north where people are building houses and families are moving in. You can't, you can't keep up with the count. So you've got a lot of people there. Then from the east, you would have Orlando and I-4, everybody coming in. From the south, the interstate comes up from the Sarasota area, and it's much easier to get to Tampa than it is to St. Pete and go across this wonderful, big architecturally and beautiful bridge, but it still limits access right. because it's a bridge. So, I, and, and then people from Pinellas, you have, you have two causeways that go over. So it, it takes me, I live in Pinellas and it will take me probably five or 10 minutes longer to get to the trough from where I live than it would to go to um, a Bucks game. So it's location. And there's, I don't know, politics, a lot of other things, but if you, if, but if you just analyze it, analytically as they all love to do now um location is the problem and this market in florida continues to grow but if you had it in the right place and 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 that's not that's not demeaning st petersburg i i love the city and it has a lot to offer and so much that we decided you know to live in the county and have never regretted i mean from day one we've been there so How's but the, I, I really think it's the, the rental market. Be, it, I'm sorry. How's the rental market down there? I may want to come down for a month and 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 you know gaze gaze around uh, St. Pete Beach. Well, I'll tell you. Uh, come on down. You know, um, you know we uh, we we converted a, a bedroom into like a combination guest room office. So you know, if you don't mind sleeping on a fold out, you're good. Yeah, I'm sure the monthly bride would really appreciate that. That's a good thing. Is, is there, there's probably no more chance that I'm going to move into your spare bedroom than they are going to rebuild a ballpark for the race. But is there any possibility in, in, in 
the Rays relocating their venue, or is that just? Well, here, here's that conversation's on the table, and and I really believe right now, you know, they they have the whole stadium issue, and it's it's I think further along in St. Pete. I mean, they 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 have a plan, and then you know you've got to go fund it and do all those other things. But but they they have adopted a plan that would build a new ballpark in the uh, parking lot adjacent to Tropicana Field, and that's where the ballpark and and they have they have the the architectural workup uh, of the whole thing. Uh, it's something that you can take a look at and see. Uh, they have a concept of of a ballpark what they'd like to have. And um, and it would be there now, uh, but they have not completely committed to being in St. Pete. And I think Hillsboro has an opportunity at some point to come in and say, "We have a location, and here's our plan." Yeah. So that's where they are. Um, the, the issue is, uh, at at some point, somebody's going to have to make a decision uh, if they're going to do it and if so where and on what side of the bay so it's progressed to that point and i you know that baseball the other thing i've always felt people say well uh, could they move would they move well as we know i mean the dodgers left brooklyn for goodness sake and um, so anybody can move anywhere but i think um, I, i think that market is a is a viable market without question uh, if you locate the ballpark in the right place I, I think it would be successful going forward for a long time but I, location is an issue and and as much as people in St. Pete might not want to say that um, access is an issue that, that's not an emotional that's just a, an analytical conclusion that I have yeah. I mean you should have 50 40,000 people you should have capacity filling those seats and not the canvas over some of the seats that they don't want to sell because yeah. demand. And so a, a, a team that's like the Rays would, would uh, you know, in my opinion, draw. Now, the, the franchises are so valuable now in those little pieces of paper that, and, and the moves are so infrequent. I think the, maybe the last move, correct me if I'm wrong, was the, the pilots going bankrupt and going to Milwaukee that maybe there's been one that I don't recall, but I can remember even in AAA, we had the Omaha deal and, and uh, we were discussing uh, moving the team. And when, when my uncle wanted to sell it teams from uh, Memphis and and Northern Virginia and, and uh, even uh, the guy, Harry Carey's buddies in uh, Pete, uh, um. Uh, oh God, you can't not whatever his name was. Wanda yeah. guys wanted to buy a team, and Peoria wanted to buy the Benakin. Yeah, and so Benakin. Uh, you know, Gus Cherry, my uncle, uh, didn't want to sell the team to somebody outside of Omaha. And the College World Series said, if you, the, if the Royals leave, we're moving the College World Series to Los Angeles. And so then Omaha got behind it. The same way, I think that um, these new stadiums are so expensive, but they 
they're multi-purpose, then you have different opportunities for different events there and have more opportunity to architecturally design something aesthetically nice and people stay there after the game. So that's all fine and good. Uh, and the Milwaukee plan, their roof opens and closes in five minutes. It's just every yeah. team ought to have to do that. And now you've got, you know, there's going to be another two teams added here in the next five years for expansion. And, you know, they're going to go to, and then you got Oakland who's in the same kind of, they're worse off than you guys because man, they had like 3000 people there last night. And, uh, yeah. you know, I don't know. Uh, well, I think baseball is. I don't. I don't think they they want to get into moving a franchise and take up a market. Uh, if they're thinking, still thinking of expansion, you know. And, and I think a lot of people feel Oakland's headed to Las Vegas. And in fact, I, I heard I heard one scenario where they would move to Vegas even without a new ballpark, and the AAA team would stay, and both the AAA team and the A's would use the same venue. Can you imagine playing outdoors at night and a team on the field every day? The I would, field would, would, would be disintegrated. They, they built that field when we had the Omaha Royals and the All-Star game one summer. The AAA All-Star game was in Las Vegas. Yeah. And they had five or six suites that you that were enclosed, and we could sit in there and, and not swelter. It was like 120 yeah. degrees on the field. It's like, yeah. no way, no way. Yeah, I know. I, I heard that plan, and I had the same reaction you did. The um, the last area that I'm always interested in, number one, here's a good movie while you're goofing around on the road and don't have anything to do on your next road trip. If you haven't seen the movie about Nike called Air um, with Jonathan, oh, no. with Damon and uh, Affleck, and it's about the guy who came up with the Air Jordan concept, and they the, the movie goes in, I won't tip off the listening audience, but it goes into how this one guy figured out how to convince Mrs. Jordan that he shouldn't be wearing Adidas, he should be wearing Nike. And and you can recall, and I can recall back when Nellie and I were representing all these guys in the in the early 80s, Reebok, and those companies were just giving away shoes and golf clothes and anything else to try to get an in. And so you'll love the movie. And, and Okay. Yes, it's a good it's a good movie. Uh, my other favorite topic is food, and you're a healthy eater, and I'm not. But what do you hear about the food? If I go to the trap, what do I eat? Is there something really no at the trap's known for besides a cod sandwich or something like that? <laughs> well, uh, I, I'm going to be negligent on that front uh-huh. um, because they they I mean they open some great venues there, and every year they try to come up with something that's that's really great um myself i uh you know I, I i try to limit my caloric intake and uh so i i try to start the day you know with uh with a, a protein uh, shake and then uh, you know work my way through the rest of the day so i'm i'm probably the wrong guy to ask um you know what <laughs> what the venue is in the press room tonight you know uh, i, I- I, I, I actually, here, if I may interrupt, I, I actually think time in the press room, um, you know, people go, oh, we're going to go eat. Well, you and conversation is good. And you're always wanting to, you know, be social. But, you know, there's a lot of time spent in the press room 
not accomplishing a lot. Yeah. So I may stick my head in there and, uh, you know, get a refill of whatever it is I want to drink. But uh, I, I try to limit myself there because people sit around the table and, uh, you know, how many times can you rehash the same topic, you know? And I, uh, you know, I, I'm, I guess, uh, anal enough to want to do all my prep work and, and, you know, put the blinders on and get ready. So that, that's what I do. So I'm, I, I'm not a big eater at the ballpark, I guess is what I have to say. Well, when I asked you that question, I was kind of laughing and I was sort of figuring out that I had a pretty good idea where you were going to come down. Cause like, we'll go out for dinner and, and, uh, Dwayne will be getting fish and other healthy vegetables and I'll be like loading butter onto my baked potato. <laughs> wondering if I get a second helping of steak. So it's, uh, it's uh, one or the other, but. Well, man, you're you're awfully nice to join the show this morning, and uh, and I'm glad I caught you on the road. That was a that was kind of a nice unusual treat, and uh, I do intend to track you down in the Windy City uh, at some point and uh, break some bread. I will look forward to that. Maybe I'll uh, you know I'll starve myself and then buy the biggest and most expensive steak on the menu. That'd be great. That's a deal. All right. We're good for it. We're good for it. Thanks, man. Good luck for the rest of the road trip and uh, safe travels back home. You've got a spectacular division to play baseball in. And now that it's a balanced schedule, you're not going to get sick of playing the 20 games with the Yankees and the Red Sox and everybody else. So that's another good, exciting development. And, uh, you know, the good thing for me, I can I can pick up your broadcast on MLB Network, and uh, it's always interesting to uh, to hear a good friend uh, talk baseball for a living. So it's cool, man. Appreciate it. All right. It's it. great to see your face. Uh, I look forward to your trip to Florida, too, by the way. Yeah, and my uh, search for some rental property in the vicinity. Hold on. Don't go anywhere. All right, there. You've heard it from my favorite uh Broadcaster in baseball, you know, I always talk about Dwayne. I always talk about uh, Bob uh, Euchre and Tom Hamilton and those three guys. And, uh, you know, Dwayne's just a good guy, great friend and and uh, fun memories with him and Dave Nelson. And so we're going to wrap it up. We're going to thank Dwayne again for being with us. It's always fun. I love his voice, love his comments. And uh, he's probably listening, so I'm still trying to kiss his ass. So. <laughs> I can tell he was listening, folks. So when he's when I know he's disconnected, I'll tell you what I really think. Nah, be good. And uh, for Dwayne Stass and Jamie Retsky, on the lighter side of baseball, has just been a fun day. So for Dwayne, who has now figured out how to get out of here, and for me, I'm going to cut it off. And thank you all for listening, as always. Be good. Hit them straight. Stripe it down the middle. <laughs>